Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow with your host, Linda Nazareth. Hello, thank you for joining us today. You know, this year has been a tough one for organizations. We've talked a lot about the Great Resignation. It's been going on for quite a while. And even with the economy maybe slowing down a little bit with inflation being an issue, it seems that it's still very tough to find workers. And even if the economy does mean that it's less tough for a little while, it's a long-term issue. Companies, organizations have to think about what it is that workers want and what they can give them to hold on to them over the long term. Obviously, at the top of that list is money, uh, also things like maybe time off, bonuses. But, you know, if you talk to workers, there are more things that they would like to have. And on that list is paid tuition, investment in them, investment in their continuing education and skilling. Because if a company invests in you, it feels like they want you to be there for the longer term. It feels like you have a future with them. So it's something that is important to workers. And there are stats to show that if you do this, you will have workers who are appreciative and happy and a lot less likely to quit their jobs. So I wanted to talk about all of that. And to do that, I'm joined today by Terry McDonough. Now, he is the president of education, technology, and enterprise services at a company called Strategic Education. Strategic Education has just come out with a new survey on workforce sentiment, and particularly workforce sentiment during the Great Resignation. And it has found a surprisingly strong link between the provision of tuition benefits and employee retention. So I got a chance to talk to Terry about those findings and as well as how organizations can go forward with this and put in good programs to serve themselves and serve workers. We had a really good discussion. Please stay with us to hear it. Is supporting education the key to retaining workers? That was one of the findings of a survey done by Strategic Education Inc., an education company that serves working adult students. I'm joined now by Terry McDonough. He's president of Education Technology and Enterprise Services at Strategic Education, and he is here to talk about the findings. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Linda. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. It's a really interesting study. It's an interesting time to be looking at this. But, you know, I want to talk about your own career first, because I'm always interested in how people ended up in the fields that they're in. Uh, how did you get doing this? I uh, have been in education since uh, I left university. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to do as a college graduate. I was an English major. Uh, I thought I might go to law school because that was, you know, one thought about a productive career path, being a humanities major. I ended up joining Teach for America, the two-year public service commitment uh, we have in the U.S., and I've ended up staying in education ever since. I thought I would do it for two years. I ended up teaching in a classroom for six years. Uh, I worked in a, a charter school in Boston that was um, high-performing after I did uh, my experience in TFA, and um, in, in, in that uh, setting, decided I wanted to go to grad school through a series of events. Turned up at McKinsey um, after grad school, which uh, people always ask, well, how did you go into big consulting having been a, a seventh grade teacher before? Um, and I always joke that, you know, um, 
convincing a seventh grader to do something is often a lot harder than convincing a CEO to do something. Um, And so I I spent a couple of years at McKinsey, largely in their education and social sector practice, and ended up at SEI because SEI was a a client of McKinsey's. Um, I came over to help them build a corporate training business a number of years ago and have been um, at SEI since um, leading a number of our new initiatives to innovate in higher ed, particularly around employer-funded education. Just briefly, tell us what the company does, because this is supporting adult students or adult working students. Sure, yeah. So I'd say strategic education um, is probably one of the uh, least known but largest education management companies in the world. Um, We serve over 150,000 students a year who are in the post-secondary world, so there's they're seeking a college degree or um, uh, post-high school credit. And um, we do that through um, Strayer University, Capella University, which are higher ed institutions in the U.S., Torrens University, which is a um, uh, a university in Australia, uh, and then Sophia Learning, uh, which is our gen ed course platform. 40% of your credits you can take in college are general education outside of your major. Uh, as well as um, Workforce Edge, which is an education benefits management platform that we uh, use to enable employers to give their employees access to tuition assistance and education programs that will upskill them. Um, So uh, in addition to to serving 150,000 learners a year, we have about 1,000 corporate partners who in the um, world of Workforce Edge uh, will uh, work with us to provide to their students or their employees some guidance on how education um, could advance their career, um, and uh, many of whom take advantage of tuition assistance benefits um, to both uh, attract talent and to retain talent uh, to their organization. Okay, so you're in touch with all of these organizations, employers, and obviously over the last year or two, they must have been quite unhappy at the fact that they couldn't retain all the workers they wanted to. I mean, the great resignation is in the numbers. It's something that seems to touch people. They feel like, you know, they can relate to this, but it's absolutely there, certainly the U.S. and where I am in Canada and elsewhere in the world, you know, also there to some extent. Give us an idea of how the employers feel about this. Did this take them by surprise that this has become an issue? I think so. I mean, I think not not necessarily by surprise, but I do think um, only really uh, leading edge employers or progressive employers who said, we understand education um, and uh, wage growth are really important to our business. Um over the long haul, um, you know, there's there's a handful of organizations who have made that commitment for many years, and the U.S. organizations like Target and Verizon and Fiat Chrysler and um, uh, a number of others have, have said, "Hey, we we we're going to serve our workers well by um, uh, providing education benefits and uh, potential wage growth." They, they've they've um, uh, really, I think, been prepared for this and have gotten ahead of it. But many employers uh, have been um, taken by surprise by uh, the um, questions that their workforce are asking about um, the, the, the way they spend their time. Um, you know, our survey shows that um, 
most employees are actually happy with their employer, up to 80% of people who responded to a survey that we did of 2,500 US workers said they're happy with their employer, but those same people who are saying they're happy are out looking for other jobs or open to other jobs. And so I think employers have heard from their people, well, I'm happy, I, I, I'm not dissatisfied with the work that I'm doing or this organization. Um, but uh, at the same time, they are electing to go elsewhere or in some cases electing to opt out of the workforce for a time because of you know the, the, the challenges of living over the last two years during the pandemic. So I think that's where, uh, where um, employers have been surprised. They've said, hey, well, it seems like our people are happy. Nobody's coming and telling us that we've got um, a poor uh, infrastructure or culture or whatever it might be to support our employees, but they're still leaving. So wh why is that? Well, let's talk about the survey. How did you structure this and who did it cover? Uh, we surveyed 2,500 U.S. employees, um, and we asked them, uh, people in the workforce and people who were recently in the workforce who um, have elected to leave, um, people who've been in uh, their current roles, people who've moved to new roles, um, and we asked them a series of questions um, relating to their feelings about their current employer, their um, optimism about uh, the roles they might um, think about taking, their um, concerns about their current employer and where they might go um, if they were to leave. Um, and we found that, uh, as I noted before, um, contrary to um, what many have suggested with the Great Resignation, um, that employees are potentially unhappy or disgruntled or um, disenchanted with their employer, uh, they're actually saying they're not. And, and, um, and other reasons are driving them to look for um, new opportunities. Uh, that may be uh, because other employers are paying more. That may be what we found. Other employers are offering higher quality benefits, namely education benefits. Um, we were surprised that um, Many people, almost three quarters of the people who said if their employer would uh, use a or would employ a more advanced education benefit, they would use it, which is surprising in the U.S. Uh, about half of employers provide an education benefit, but only two to five percent of an employee base will actually use that benefit. Mm -hmm. but, but, but most of these people were saying, hey, if my employer said they would offer it and they would promote it more effectively, I would use it. And that may be it. It may be a um, circumstance that people are saying, I actually need to upskill now. You know, I know the world is changing. If I knew this was available, I would use it and I'd seek employers out who, who would provide that. So are you saying they just don't know it's available? I think a lot of employees do not know that, uh, particularly education benefits and in the US, um, the tax available benefit that they can get through their employer is um, is open to them. Um, there's a, a bit of a um, challenge for employers. They, they want their people to obviously build skills, but they also want to control the budget outlays for education benefits. And so in, in, in most cases, uh, 
education benefits are, are a self-serve benefit that an employee will decide, hey, I, I, I on my own want to um, uh, learn or I want to uh, move up on a career path and the employer then will allow them to do it. Um, where, whereas a, an, ideal, an ideal scenario would be the employer is talking to them about the benefits available and the uh, um, ways that those benefits fit into a career progression. Um, but in most cases, that's not really what happens. It's more about the employee coming, asking if the benefit's available, and uh, then the employer uh, providing them access versus the employer uh, directly promoting that benefit. I wonder if it's a disconnect between what the organization wants to promote and what the line manager actually cares about. I think so. I mean, in some ways, um, I think there's a disconnect between the line manager um, coordinating with HR and talent development on the skills they need. I think also the skills that line managers need are changing rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not necessarily just because it's a lack of communication. It's that, um, you know, they, they need to um, communicate more frequently what uh, capabilities that they're trying to hire for and trying to build into their um, talent base. Um, I also think that uh, the HR team or the benefits group is often managing a budget on the side that's separate from the line manager's budget. budget. So you have you know, a, a, a structural problem in that a line manager has budget for upskilling and what we traditionally call learning and development, but not budget for tuition assistance. So you have these two budgets that fund education. Um, if you could somehow combine them, um, you might align interests more effectively and you might um, you might have the HR or the benefits team more working more in concert with the business function or line management team. Okay, interesting. So let's talk about the findings of the survey specifically. One thing I found interesting was there was a question about having a sense of worth and the sense of worth keeping you there. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of uh, employees have felt like the uh, experience they've had during the Great Resignation has been one uh, where they've felt some distance from their employer because they've been out of the office, um, they've been asked to do more, their hours have expanded, and um, many of them are expressing, based on the results of the survey, that um, if they know an employer values them um, or sees that their kind of job is valuable and they individually is valuable, they'll reward that employer with loyalty and and interest. And one of the things that they seem to be saying uh, is indicative of kind of showing that value is providing quality benefits, like um, particularly education benefits. uh, so, so that that's what we found via the survey, uh, and 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 I think employers who, in on the contrary side, say uh, employees who say you know the employer isn't investing in these things or isn't willing to invest in these things for me, questions whether that uh, employer is um, you know truly valuing their contribution or their career progression. So does this mean that larger employers who are in a better position to offer these things are less likely to see people 
leave jobs? I'm not sure I've seen stats on, you know, size of company and who's been resigning. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We can't deduce from the survey uh, whether large employers are seeing a different reaction um, and are more uh, able to provide high quality benefits um, than smaller employers. I will say anecdotally, um, because at SEI, we work with hundreds of companies um, and they range across Fortune 500 uh, to small and medium businesses that are regional. Um, we aren't seeing a huge difference in patterns of behavior. Um, I'll give you two examples. Uh, we have a large retail um, company in the States. They have over 120,000 employees, um, 13,000 stores. Uh, they have put in place a new tuition assistance benefits program, but they've capped it because they want to um, ensure that they're not over outstripping a budget that they um, try to keep somewhat limited. Uh, and we have a group of 5,000 to 10,000 person behavioral health companies um, who serve um, uh, in the mental health and wellness space who um, more and more have been expanding their benefits programs to their employee base because, you know, partially because they're facing the same challenges that the retailers are seeing a lot of attrition. Um, and so you're seeing, uh, I think, a difference in behavior based on the sector there. So retail certainly has been seeing talent attrition and difficulty attracting talent. So they've tried to put benefits in place, but they've capped the amount of spend that they're willing to put out for their employees. And in healthcare, behavioral health and wellness, uh, you're seeing um, companies with the same issue, burnout amongst their employee base, um, but expansion of their benefits programs um, to um, levels that they haven't funded before and um, to the types of programs they haven't uh, funded before. And those are small organizations. But it's more, I think, dependent on the sector and the way they think about continuing education than it is about size of company. That's from the employer side, which is obviously where you're most in touch. But do you have a feel for the employees and, you know, who's taking advantage of this and who's been successful at this? Yeah. So um, I think the employees, um, uh, what we've found is that uh, employees that are in situations where the employer provides them not just the funding, but the time and space to learn are the ones that are most successful in um, uh, use of tuition benefits in ways that, that support their career development. So an example would be um, we have a longstanding relationship at SEI with uh, Fiat Chrysler, now Stellantis, the big global automaker. And um, the way that they support their dealership employees, the people who work in their um, car dealerships, is that they not only provide uh, full funding for education, but they also, in some instances, provide space, physical space, like a classroom almost, in the back of the dealership and um, will occasionally match people's schedules to their um, learning needs. Uh, We also have worked with um, a couple of large telecom providers who in their call centers will do the same thing. They'll dedicate a conference room to be a classroom. They've actually had 
our organization staff faculty members. So um, professors and deans will come out on site uh, several times a week and run both classes and uh, uh, support sessions for those learners. And we've found those students who have um, not just the funding, but the time and the space to engage in learning um, are the ones who persist at much higher rates. Um, and those companies see much higher usage of their benefits. So in the case of Fiat Chrysler, uh, for those that offer the benefit out of their dealer base, you know, uh, up to 9% of their employees use it, and they, they tend to stick around much longer than those who don't. Um, so I think it's both, it's, it's, the bottom line is it's, it's uh, funding and financing someone's education uh, as an employee um, gets a portion of the way, but then um, acknowledging that time and space to learn are also really part of the difficult equation for adult learners mm -hmm. is another uh, thing to think about. Interesting. We'll see what happens in this next phase of the business cycle. I mean, things might slow down. I hope that work. I hope that companies don't forget that they have to keep supporting workers, uh, even if it gets a little bit easier to hire them. Terry, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate being here. Terry McDonough is president of Education Technology and Enterprise Services at Strategic Education. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Terry and about strategic education, please take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did enjoy this discussion about work and the future of work, please take a moment, leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. That will help people to find us and that will help us keep these discussions going. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future, and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.